0: Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Good morning. My name is Gloria Moles. And this morning I'm going to be reading her Bible verse from the Christian Standard Bible. John 3 verses 9 through 15. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied. Truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the son of man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. This is the word of our Lord. Glory be to God. Oh, good morning.
1: (laughs) Woo! If you could tell by that video, the spirit of the Lord is hot today. (laughs) Hey, good morning. We're super glad you guys are all here. Uh, happy Mother's Day. What a glorious day. To celebrate Mother's Day, all the men are going to go golfing so all the women can stay at home and watch the kids and be good. And I'm joking. I, I saw a couple of mom's eyes like, okay. No, but, um, th- that's so right what we just prayed. Thank you for your sacrifice if you're a mother. Thank you for the love and being a bearing image of Christ to kids, being nurturing. And also hold up those ones that are grieving a loss of a kid. And just, a uh, mother is just something, um, That's such a glorious gift from God. I'm I'm really thankful to have a a mom of my own that's very loving and a beautiful wife. Uh, And she's five foot one and pushed out two big headed boys. So God is good. God is real. Trust me. But yeah, thank you, mothers. Thank you. You know, um, also last week, we got to hear our brother Ethan Colvin preach about being born again from the same chapter a little bit earlier in the passage. And um, man, we were really blessed with that sermon. We were truly blessed with the Word of God last week. And something he mentioned about being born again of the water and spirit to see the kingdom of God. And we see Nicodemus, a man that is well-respected as a teacher of Israel. He's well-respected as knowing the Word of God. And he is almost viewed as a ruler of um, the, the Jews, of the wisdom he has of the Word of God, and some of the things this week we're going to touch on that he said last week, but I just think it's so important to have the fundamentals of the gospel continuously uh, put into um, our thought process so we can really uh, plant those seeds within us. So we're going to be talking a little bit about the same thing, but also sharing a little bit more about what's on the hand of the kingdom of God. So, I'm going to start with this question. As we heard, Nicodemus starts this passage with, how can these things be? He's already starting off. He's confused. He doesn't know what's going on. So when I first read this, my first thought was, have you ever read the Bible and then think to yourself, what did I just read? Anybody? Yes. I saw, I saw some heads, big time. There's times where we read the Bible and we read it and we're like, that sounds good, but I have no, I have no clue what that means. Or maybe someone shouts a Bible verse at us that we're going through some struggling. Someone gives us some scripture to us, and we say, hey, amen, thank you, brother, I appreciate it. And then we turn around and just say, I have no idea what that guy just said. Happens all the time, because it's not that a lack of God is, it's not that God is confusing. Is there something within us that's making God confusing? So then I think to myself, well, what do we do when we're confused now? What if we need answers for something, and we need it now? You Google it, right? And whenever we Google it, you get instant answers on pretty much anything you could think of in the world. You need to know how long to cook a chicken? Bam, temperatures and times. You need to replace the headlight in your car? Here's a guy with a video with his finger chopped off showing you how to do it. You want to look up the age of your favorite movie star as a kid? Bam, there he is, and some news about him properly slapping someone at the Oscars. Google can be a good thing because we get instant answers to our questions. And that's rewarding to us. But what happens when we don't get the answers? What happens when we search for something for so long and we still can't find what we're looking for? Well, for me personally, I don't know about you guys, but I start to get really frustrated. I do. I start to get frustrated, and I start to kind of shut down and kind of give up on what I'm looking at, because no one's giving me the instant answers I need. And our society has become... Uh, a society that needs instant things right away. You can, or I can order food on my phone right now and go pick it up and it's ready. That's crazy. I can look up pretty much anything on Google and it'll give me instant answers. But the second I don't get those answers, mm, I had to get my answers. It's ridiculous. But that's our society. and We rely on others that have studied their entire lives on something to give us knowledge within a second. But what happens when there's not that expert there? then there's no answers. Without those people studying their whole lives for something, we don't get those answers, and we think that's unfair to us. We become confused and frustrated. Now, how to cook a chicken is not as important as a relationship with God. So what happens when we don't understand God's word? When we feel confused about God's intentions? Think about that. You know, I like to say every time I'm caught up on scripture or something God's putting in my life, I study word by word, passes by pass until I get it. But usually I kind of just move on to the next easier verse. And that doesn't make the easier verses that hit home right away, that doesn't make them less powerful or true. But if we just constantly go past the times where we don't understand God or we can't see his word and what it means We're missing a lot of fruit left on the tree. There's so much more that we can pick from that we're missing. You know, one thing I've learned from God is that every little piece of Scripture he puts in the Bible is something he needs us to know. And even if we don't understand it at the time, it's crucial to us to have a relationship with God. Every little piece of Scripture he put in there for a reason. You know, I think of Exodus. There's, a, there's like five chapters in Exodus where it's nothing about measurements and placement on how to build a tabernacle. I'm talking about just five chapters of just measurements. Ugh. If you, if you watch me read that, you would think I was reading Japanese and like I was kind of dozing off because I just can't focus on measurements and how to put something together for five chapters. It's tough. But just because... I don't get something from it. Just because I can't understand why it's there doesn't mean it's not important. Every bit of scripture is critical to a relationship with God. That's true. And if it wasn't, it wouldn't be in there. Wait, 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 hold up. So if we don't quite understand something from God, does that mean we don't have a relationship with him? Or does that mean he doesn't love us? What does that mean? Okay, that's not what we're saying here. That's not what we're saying at all. But I want us to connect And have a glimpse of what Nicodemus is feeling right now. Someone that studied God his whole life and now he's confused about what Jesus is telling him. And then Jesus is just looking at him and not understanding how he doesn't get these things. But he ultimately knows why he doesn't understand these things. So when we see Jesus tell Nicodemus that how do you not understand these things... We start to think, wait, hold up. Nicodemus only asks, how can these things be? How can these things be? Nicodemus asks him. And you, know, you don't see Jesus tell him, well, like, have you tried looking it up on Google? No. But we see the same confusion in Nicodemus that he doesn't understand what Jesus is telling him. That Nicodemus has spent his entire life tirelessly studying God's word and people view him as a supreme knowledge on God. Jesus even even confirms this by calling him teacher of Israel. But then makes Nicodemus a spiritual infant by saying, how do you not know these things? Then he continues by saying, truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will I tell you about heavenly things? Jesus is plainly telling about the intentions of God, the heart of the kingdom of God, and Nicodemus can't grasp it at all. You know, it's as if Jesus is telling Nicodemus, hey, Nicodemus, the sky is blue. And Nicodemus is like, what do you mean it's blue? That's how plainly Jesus is talking about this. That he's making it as simple as he can, and Nicodemus cannot grasp it. And if he doesn't understand it, how do we understand it? That phrase, these things, being born of water and spirit, if someone that spent his entire life studying God's law and he doesn't understand, how do we? The first time I read this, I'm not going to lie, I kind of thought to myself, like, duh, Nicodemus, it's so simple. Born of water and spirit. But then I thought, wait, hold up. What does he actually mean about these things, about being born of water and spirit? Like, okay, I get it, born of water and spirit, got it. But then I start to think about that actual phrase, being born of water and spirit. Like, okay, I got water at home, there's a bathtub right here, but I don't think I have any spirit kind of laying around anywhere. There's no like free spirit you just find on the ground. So how do we actually obtain the spirit? you know, we can can always say a good old amen after something we don't get, but Jesus is stating that this is the intentions of God. This is something serious for our salvation. So if it's serious for Nicodemus to know these things, it's serious for us to know what these things are. So we must need to find out what God is meaning by these things. And we talk about these things when he says that. You know, One of the most amazing things uh, about God's word is you could read something once and get a little bit of fruit from it, and then read it again and realize you missed so much from the passage. There's so much more to be picked. And then when we're reading this, we see Jesus say that Nicodemus and everyone who learns from him is missing the heart of God's reasoning for sending the Messiah. And you think about that. Someone that spent their whole life, once again, we're saying this again, and he's missing the biggest part of the kingdom of God. If that was me, I'd probably panic. That's scary to think your whole life didn't quite mean, all your hard work didn't mean much because you were missing the biggest part. So there's something more serious that we need to get a hold of here. And you know, when they thought of the Messiah, they thought he would bring this, some kind of war path against everyone who was oppressing the Jews. They thought he'd bring a swift justice and give them a land of luxury, of, of clean water and, and king and feast for kings that would be prepared for them all the time. That's what they imagined the Messiah coming to do to bring total comfort to them and peace. And you know, just because they have something wrong about what Jesus is telling them doesn't mean they didn't have faith. It doesn't mean they weren't pursuing God, but even throughout all their years of dedication, they were told that it's still not enough. Think about the hardest thing you work on in your life, your job, your, uh, some project at home, and then you bring it to someone, and just, they just say it's simply not enough. That can really hurt our flesh. Something is still lacking that's keeping them from the kingdom of God. You know, does anyone ever feel discouraged when they they try their best to follow God and they come up short? Seriously, does anyone feel that way? Yeah. Does anyone feel discouraged when they try to do something good and bad just comes from it? Does anyone feel discouraged when they try to seek God and his goodness and they keep finding themselves on the bad side of luck? Things aren't adding up. Something's wrong. Or spending your whole life following God and keep realizing that there's so much more you don't understand. God is mighty, and sometimes it can make us feel really small. And we see Nicodemus again dedicate his whole life to helping others understand God. And now he's being told by God himself that he's missing the biggest part. That is a gut punch, right in the gut. He's not understanding these things. And there's that phrase again, these things. You know, we try our best to do what's good. We try our best to follow God, and we try our best to stay obedient. But we fall short every time, it seems like. So what do we do? What do we do? We keep falling short? Do we just give up like we do with Google? We try our best, but we're lacking the understanding from God. You know, I think about when I was six years old, uh, my mom showed me how to clean the dishes, you know. You rinse the dishes, you scrub the grime off with a sponge and don, rinse it again, make sure it's clean, put it on the dry rack. That was easy. And at six years old, that was super rewarding for me. It was great. But then I thought to myself, well, why stop now? Let's, get to, let's get to keep this train going, right? Mom said laundry's been stacked up, she can't get to it. I know how to clean dishes, let me clean the clothes. Get the clothes, rinse it in the sink, don, scrub it with a brush, Rinse it again. Wait, I got I to gotta hang it. She's got a closet full of clothes. I can hang it in there. <laughs> Dripping on the floor, I hang it up in the closet closet. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I'm blessed that I'm still here, guys. <laughs> but she, she gave me a lot of grace. She did. Thanks, Mom. But now that I reflect on that, it's not that I was doing something bad, right? I was trying to help my mother out. I was trying to do something good. But I just didn't quite understand how to fully clean clothes the right way. There was something lacking in me that understood how to use a washing machine. And I felt really discouraged at six years old because I saw my mom scratching her head because I just ruined like 10 pairs of shirt, uh, shirts and pants. Sorry, Mom. But, I felt discouraged because there was something I did that was wrong, but I was trying so hard to be good in it. But then something really glorious happened that opened up my eyes this day. She showed me how to actually clean clothes. She showed me what a washing machine is. She showed me how to actually use a dryer. And then I realized, oh, even though I try to do something good, there's just certain things that I don't understand yet because no one's taught me. No one showed me the way. And now, I clean clothes. (laughs) Thanks, that's my sister. If you asked her, I, I don't clean clothes. But there was something lacking in my understanding, and until someone gave me the way and showed me how, until then, I didn't get it. So how do we understand these things that God wants us to know? How do we realize what his intentions are for us? How do we see what the kingdom of God wants us to know? Well, you don't. We don't. Our flesh doesn't. We don't understand. And hear me out. This, that's kind of heavy to hear. But we don't understand because nothing from flesh on earth can comprehend the spirit. Only the one who has ascended from heaven and descended to earth can bring the knowledge of the Spirit. And that's the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The only one that has seen the Spirit from heaven can give you the Spirit on earth. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who had descended from heaven the Son of Man. Hallelujah. And it's frustrating when we don't understand God. It's frustrating when we don't see what we're missing. It's frustrating when we don't understand what Scripture is telling us and when God's intentions are in our lives. When something goes wrong in our lives and we're frustrated, when life is scary, when things feel dark and just hollow, we get frustrated. But it's not because God is just refusing to tell us. Only the Spirit can give us knowledge of the Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit from Jesus himself can bring us knowledge of the kingdom of God. So to be born of water and spirit, the water cleanses our own understanding. It cleanses our earthly view on things. And the Spirit brings the kingdom to our heart. The spirit brings our eyes to see God. The spirit brings the knowledge to see the intentions of God in our lives. You guys realize how good of a gift that is? That God doesn't need to give us anything, but yet he gives us a chance to be born again, to cleanse our own selves and have the spirit within us to see him. That is glorious. That is glorious. No amount of studying, no amount of studying can give you to be born again of the Spirit. No amount of money can make you born again of the Spirit. No fame, no riches, no hard work can make someone born again of the Spirit. Only Jesus Christ. He is the one way the Holy Spirit allows us to be born again, to see Him. God gives you eyes to see Him. Whoo! That's... I could talk about that one phrase all day. That's good. Right, Gertrude? Amen will never be sufficient, but Christ is. So what are the attentions once we're born again? What are we going to see? The Spirit is ready to equip you with eyes to see God, to see what he's prepared for us, to see how he plans to save us from our sin and darkness. But Christ hasn't came to wipe out millions of people that are against his people. He's came to be lifted up, these came to be lifted up. And then John, as we just read and heard from Gloria, says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. This is a beautiful way Jesus is referencing and fulfilling the Old Testament. And this comes from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. And I got it right here, I'll say it to you guys. It says, Then they set out by the way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom. But the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread or water, and we detest from this wretched food. Then the Lord sent out poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit them so that many Israelites died. The people then came to Moses and said, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord so that we will take the snakes away. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake image mounted on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten, he looked at it and was recovered. So, this passage timelines right after God just freed his people from Egypt. Out of the control of Pharaoh and out of slavery from Egypt. He just did a miraculous thing for them. Freed them from that. And as soon as he frees his people, they complain and doubt God's reasoning. Because they weren't living a land of complete peace and comfort. They weren't having the feast of feasts. They weren't having glorious waterfalls upon them there was still discomfort. And the second that happened, they doubt God's goodness. They doubt his reasonings for doing it. They question why God would bring them out of slavery and oppression to be stuck in a wilderness with limited supplies. Again, God did something glorious for his people. And because of the sin that they had in their lives of, of, of doubting God, snakes come out of the wilderness, and bite them. They get a horrible disease, and many of them die. And then once again, the people that rebuked God for what he was doing are the same ones who went to go ask Moses to save them, to have God rescue them again. Someone does something bad to you, and you try to save them. What are you doing? You turn and walk another way, probably. At least I know I do sometimes. God saved his people. They doubt and slander his name. And the second they need saving again, he doesn't turn their back. He doesn't turn his back to them. No. He makes a saving and a healing available just by putting a bronze snake on a pole. And they don't have to do anything crazy, but just to look at it and they're healed. The same people that were doubting him and doubting his goodness. He made it that easy for them to be healed and saved. What a good father. And then we start to think, okay, what does Jesus mean by all this? There's a snake on a pole, they heal from it. What does that mean by Jesus? What are we talking about here? Church. Jesus is fulfilling this for us. Amen. Amen. God has made himself so available to us through Jesus that in our time of suffering all we have to do is fix our eyes on him and he will present himself to us with grace and mercy. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you know. No merit or degree matters to Jesus. All he wants is you to fix your eyes upon him. To fix your eyes upon him for a little bit. Jesus wants to fix your eyes upon him so that he can free you of the poison that's inside of you. Of the sin that we carry. Of the darkness we have in our bodies. Jesus just wants to look at us so he can heal us from it. And why? Why? And if you get anything out of this day, this is the most important part right here. Why is it important to fix our eyes upon Jesus? So that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Let me say that again. So that anyone who believes in him has eternal life. If you're not sure, If God loves you or how much he loves you, this is a small fraction of how much he loves you. That he saw you suffering. He saw you in pain. He saw you in the darkness. He saw you with the sin that's dragging you down. And he knew what he was going to do to you. He knew where you were headed. He knew what you were battling. But he can't imagine heaven without you. He wants you with him. He wants you right beside him. So he didn't do anything that was hard for you. All he did was gave himself on a pole, on a cross, so that if we just look at him, we can be saved. If we just look at him, he can help us with our anxiety. If we just look at him, he can help us with our fear and the things that we battle. Just because he loves us, he made himself so available that all we have to do is look upon him and we will be healed. Church, this isn't. I'm not giving you the weather channel. This is your salvation we're talking about here. That God has made himself so available that we just fix our eyes upon him and he will give you so much more. He wants you beside him. He loves you dearly. And he has a lot in store for you. He gave you eyes to see him. But he can't make you look at him. He could, but there's a little thing called free will, right? That he loves us so much that he's not just controlling us, but he's given us a chance to fully pursue him. Just to look at him. That's all it takes for him to give you so much that you had no idea you could obtain from him. And that's not from your merit. That's just the goodness of God. We give God the glory for that. So, Who's ready for that? Who's ready to finally fix their eyes upon the cross? Who, who here is struggling with things that they can't seem to understand in life, that they can't see what's going on in their lives from the kingdom of God? And it's easy for our eyes to go the other way. But today, I'm offering a moment. We're going to get in some prayer time and reflect on a song And we're going to just get into an environment where we can fix our eyes upon Jesus. You know, we can say these things and say, hey church, see you next week, have fun. No, no, no. But we are going to set a moment right here where God is present. We are allowing God in this environment. This is his house. And we are allowing a time if anybody wants to fix their eyes upon Jesus, this altar is open and this church will pray for you. So I just ask that everyone just close their eyes and get and fill the spirit within here. And if you're ready to fix your eyes upon Jesus, he's waiting on you.
0: We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesborofm.com.